Yes, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is a broadcast from March 5th, 2018, a Monday night. Stephen Bernstein in the studio with me on the topic of the great Roswell Rudd. This is part two. I'd recommend listening to part one first. But, uh, you know, you're grown up. You could, you could do what you like. It's all here for you. Glad you're along. Yes. Yes, indeed. That is the voice of Stephen Bernstein. I'm so happy to have you in the Man, studio tonight. Good to hang out with you, Mitch, after all these years. You'd think, you'd think it would wear off. It doesn't. No, it hasn't worn off. <laughs> Not yet. I wish it did. <laughs> no. Mitch and I, you were on that whole Verve tour, right? I, I... Should we talk about that for a little second? <laughs> Can I stop you? Okay. <laughs> 1996, right? Early 96 or, so. late, or late 95? No, it was uh, it was winter. It was like, Jan- it was like Febu- January, February. Probably then 96. February, March. Like so that. Verve at the time had been purchased by, uh, what's that family that, that made the liquor? The liquor. The Bronfen, right? Bronfen, Bronfen family. Yeah. So they bought Verve. There was this huge influx of cash into it and the idea was like okay let's make take this jazz label and let's make some money and so let's invest a lot of money chuck mitchell was the president and he decided he wanted to do a tour going across the united states from san francisco to boston three buses mm-hmm. this was yeah there had not really been jazz touring in that kind of no, I think, I think maybe even they were inspired because they had just put out a bunch of the Norman Grands live the jazz at the Philharmonic, including like the beautiful box, whereas like, you know, like in the image of the Philharmonic, I think they got inspired. And it was Joe Henderson Trio with mm-hmm. Al Foster and George Mraz, mm-hmm. Charlie Hayden Quartet, Rhett West with Ernie Watts, Alan Broadbent, and... Um, Lawrence Maribel. Lawrence with incredible Lawrence Maribel. And then the Kansas City Band, which was... Well, now you're not gonna you're not gonna just pussyfoot over that one because, all right, if you if you love this music, you might also enjoy the cinema. Yeah. And uh, one of the great bright lights of the cinema, Robert Altman, made made a, yeah. made a film that involved our music that we love that did not get anywhere near its due. Uh, actually, I think it did. Did it? <laughs> no, you think it did? Just because it wasn't one of Altman's. It was kind of a sardonic remark because. You know, he would he'd make films. That's what he did. Some of them really worked and some of them didn't really work. And maybe that one didn't really work. I don't know. I mean, he certainly like... Had, know, some, had some... Had some great moments. But, you know, like Gosford Park. Right? Yes. I mean, that movie really worked. So it, yes. that was very popular. But as, as um, many European critics feel like that was, you know, and they're seeing it from afar, was the best jazz ever on film. Well, Because it yeah. was... It was so real. So we had this band, and the, um, the tenor players were Joshua Redman, Craig Handy, James Carter, David Murray. The alto players, David Fathead Newman and Jesse Davis. Dom Byron on baritone and clarinet. Trumpets, Nick Payton, Oludara, James Zoller. Trombones, Clark Gayton, Curtis Folks. On drums, Victor Lewis, Christian McBride, and Ron Carter on bass. This is the movie, not the touring band. And, now, and, and well, you also need to say. Wait, wait, can I just finish? Oh, I finish sorry. the whole band. Oh, we got we to give yes. Cyrus Chestnut and our incredible, great Jerry Allen. Jerry Allen, yeah. And uh, 
who another person we just lost, Kevin Mahogany. Yes. So that was this band in this movie, and uh, it was all live. It all happened. I mean, basically, Altman the night before would say, and my Hal Wilner put it together, and Butch Morris and myself were responsible for making it happen. And Hal and Altman would have a meeting, and then that night, about 10 o'clock, I get a sheet of paper that said, here's the scene, and like it's this piece of music, and it starts with this person walking in here, and this person walking here, we have to figure out how we're gonna make an arrangement. And we'd do it, and the next day, we I'd say, here's what's gonna happen, and you know, I wouldn't do the only arrangements, but you know, I had the bulk of the work was trying to figure out how to make this all work, and uh, Craig Handy and Jerry and um, Don all helped out, but we would just have to say, okay, we're going to play this tune. Here's a quick head chart, blah, blah, blah. You start, blah, blah, blah. You walk in. And these cats were going up, going for it. And you didn't tell them where and when the film takes place and oh, why the music's so significant. Oh, really? I figured they're also intelligent. They know this. <laughs> well, it took place in Kansas City in 1934 in uh, in the Hi-Ho Club where the, you know, it's, the, it's supposed to be the, the Basie band playing. And so, I mean, not that we were trying to recreate Basie's music, but one of the spirit of like, there are these gangsters in this club, and this is the music that's going down. And while this whole plot is happening with politics and gangsters and whatnot, as it always is, there's tenor battles and blues shouting and dancing and all kinds of incredible things going on. And Many, musicians meeting from different yeah, parts of the country. Right, and a couple of incredible tenor battles. One with, um, one with James Carter and. Um, James Carter and Josh Redman, and one with Craig Handy and Josh Redman. One was Yeah Man, and one was um, which is Fletcher Henderson's originally. Um, and then one was um, uh, Prince of Wales. Um, and uh, incredible, just so much. And because people were really playing, really playing. And yeah, and the film actually that is it's not like where they would do this in a Hollywood movie no. where studio musicians would have played it and then actors would have No, I mean everyone's like they're they're acting while the music's happening. And it's the music is being played live while on, they're acting in yeah. the film while they're acting. Cats yeah. are acting and music's going. But like really like people like going for it. Yeah, man, David Murray plays Queer Notions. Oh, my God, he ate that up, man. Well, now, just another little layer on this, something maybe you don't even know where, uh, how Hal Wilner did the research about that music. I mean, One way that he did it. I did it. Before you did it, Hal came. Oh, here to yeah. get, right, Hal was, right. I <laughs> took him through the library okay, so and we every found week, all those records. Every week, yeah. every week, Hal would give me like five, six cassettes and say, okay, here's what I want you to listen to. Listen to these. So I became like the, like the person on a set who makes sure that uh, every everything stylistically is uh, makes sense. So, because you know, Hal is not really a scientific person with music. I could describe, oh yeah, rhythmically this needs to be this, needs to be a two beat, blah blah blah. You need to be on the bass drum, off the bass drum. You know, stay away from these notes. We didn't have to do too much of this because these guys were so good. And basically, we want everyone just to be able to play anyway. And um, yeah, incredible music. So, um, how did we well, start so you and I, oh, that's how we, we were on the road together when we all went on the so road. So we took this band out yeah. across the hinterlands across, of this great yeah, nation. Right, including going across an ice storm to get to Texas. Remember that? I remember that very well. Driving from black ice? Snow in Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unheard of. I know, yeah. But it was perfectly fine driving in and out of Toronto. That was... Yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> Massey Hall. 
Massey Hall. That's right. We played at Massey Hall. Yeah. Yep. We did, uh, yeah, we went from down the West Coast, started in San Francisco, right? Started in San Francisco. And um, then went across south. the South. Yeah. Crazy, yeah, crazy, crazy weather. Came on up through, played uh, Town Hall. Town Hall. That was the final concert. Mm-hmm. And thanks to Seagram's and the Bronfman family, everyone got paid. Yes. And that's the kind of gig we like. Yes. And you and I, there we were, hitting all the used record stores. Oh, and my God. I got some good records. James Carter cleaning out all the <laughs> pawn shops for any reed instrument oh my God. to be found. Yeah, and you know, and just such an incredible set of characters, man. On to be on the road, I learned so much. You know, being around. Oh, now we had some musicians in the touring band that were not. That's uh, how we had Henry Butler. Film. That's where I got to meet Henry, Henry Butler. That's how I, and that's another great house story where, basically, that was a period where there's a lot of money at the time in the little jazz record industry. And um, Jerry Allen wasn't available for the tour. Cyrus wasn't available for the tour. Benny Green wasn't available for the tour. Steven Scott wasn't available for the tour. I remember I asked Jackie Byard. I mean, Jackie was like, go on a bus? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, who am I? And I remember just asking a bunch of people and uh, that I knew. Because it was, you know, I know me living in a bus had to be a certain people that would get along with, like, the crew we had, you know. So I wanted people like, kind of in the family, you know. And uh, I called Hal, man. I don't know what I'm gonna do, man. None of the piano players I know, you know, are are can do this. And he just said to me, "Well, have you tried Henry Butler?" Like as if that was the most obvious answer. <laughs> right, right. Like Henry Butler, who lives in New Orleans. And I was like, "No, oh, I didn't really think about that." So I called up Henry. He says, "Well, that sounds interesting." And Henry came on tour, man. And I'd never met him. I had his records, and I'd seen him play. I remember that first night, man. It was, it was like smoke. I couldn't tell if there was still dust in the piano or it was smoke coming off the keys. Henry but. Butler destroyed the house every single every night. night. And we're talking, these are grand concert halls. Yeah. We did Constitution yeah. Hall. Yeah. We did, and he he composed yeah. a symphony. Yeah, every night. No, every he night. still does every time I play with Henry. Henry's uh, just one of the greatest musicians on the planet, man. And that's when we decided we would we'd have to work together sometimes. But I made a lot of good friends on that tour. You know, a really incredible crew of people, man. And we got to stand on the side of the stage and watch Joe Henderson every night. Yes, yeah. Well, I, I only had one word with once. I saw him in like Ohio, I think, in a, on the way to a diner. He said hello, but he, he was pretty he was mysterious. Kept to himself. And then Charlie, amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we won't talk. We still can't talk about the, the destruction of. Charlie's gorgeous instrument. No, no, no. But that wasn't that tour. Oh, it was yes, that tour. Yes, it was that tour right, in Minnesota, tour. in, yeah, in right, St. Right. Paul. Yeah. We had, and we had the great Alvin Queen on the drums. Yes, we did. We, yes, we did. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, we, and we didn't, oh, we forgot to mention Mark Whitfield, Mark Whitfield and Russell Malone yep. were in the movie. Yes. That's, we forgot to mention our guitar player. And Mark Whitfield was on the road with Mark us. Mark Whitfield. Did we say Christian McBride? Christian half the time and, and um, Brad Jones half the time. Both, and... The tour as well? Yeah. No, no. Uh, uh, Christian and Ron Carter on the movie. Right. Christian and Brad Jones uh, on the yes. tour. Yeah. Anyway, and um, so that brought, we, we started talking about that because we were talking about how long we've known each other. But we were really we knew each other long about, before that. We knew we, each other long before I know. That. I know that. <laughs> and that too. Yeah. But we're really here to talk about Roswell Rudd. We are talking about Roswell Rudd. And so long ago we listened to this music and we forgot about it. But I got to say, what was the name of that last piece? Do you have a list of songs? I, You know, I don't. Oh. And uh, this one turned up in the archives kind of uh, 
uh, unsupported. But okay. uh, we heard Bamako and we then... We did hear Bamako, but whatever piece was after that. So they went from yeah. Bamako to like a free and... Pro- like at the end of Bamako is great. Roswell's doing like these elephant sounds. I know Roswell. He's like, oh, I'm going... I'm going elephant on Bamako. And then they went to like a free improv. And then it's like walking around this circle of fifth set of changes. And, and they didn't play a melody. And then we got in the middle of a conversation by the end talking about the music. And I missed the melody out. So I don't even know what melody they played at the end, if they played a melody. But Roswell played a really great bird style solo on that. And you can really hear he, he has a mute in. And so when you do that with a trombone, um, any brass instrument gives you a little more back pressure and sometimes a little easier to navigate certain phrases. And so you could really hear him as he's playing more in that Charlie Parker vocabulary, rhythmically, harmonically, those longer phrases. That mute lets you play some longer phrases. And, uh, man, that's I was so happy listening to that solo. I was just like, that's a great Roswell solo. And a great Lacey solo, too. Man, that's a saxophone. Anyone can play a saxophone. <laughs> Oof. Steven Bernstein is at the Jazz Standard all this coming extended week. coming weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. Sex Mob, Millennial Territory Orchestra, Sex Mob with Modesky. Every night's going to be a toe tapper, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, toe, toes will be tapping, heads will be nodding, minds will be blown, all that good stuff. Yes. Sets of 7.30 and 9.30, I think is a... Free rib with your mission price. They give That's you just right. a rib as you walk in. They, I hear they uh, fly the ribs in from the Twin Anchors in Chicago. <laughs> Is that true? That's nah, not true. In fact, they have, but they do have a new chef. Different style rib. Diff- really? Yeah, the, I don't know the last time you were there, but the ribs used to be kind of very thick. Yeah, and, they did and, a sweet. And smoked. Yeah. And now it's like kind of like uh, more like the kind of you know meat melting off the mm. kind of ribs. Mm. All right. All right. You know, I wasn't going to come, but you now just- I'm coming. <laughs> All right. We're going to go back to the empty bottle. Back to the empty bottle. Uh, how much we got left of this little bit? Hold on. Oh, we still got, we still got, man. We still got. Let's go. All right. Here we go. Uh, Roswell Rudd alongside Steve Lacey, trombone and soprano saxophone, Jean-Jacques Avenel on the bass, John Betch on the drums. It's March of 2000. You are listening to WKCR. And, uh, Classics tonight. Yeah. Let's do it. 12 do bars. It. Thank you. 
Thank you for the piece with a uh, piece that I wrote that I stole the lick from one of the pioneers, Kid Ori. Don't you know? I, uh, this thing is dedicated Still to Kid Ori. It's called Plinks.
Okay, the first song we heard uh, on that segment was 12 Bars by Herbie Nichols. It's a really uh, difficult little 12-bar tune. Um, we also, Rosal wrote an arrangement of that for Sex Mob that we did on our record, Dime Grime Palace. And uh, I remember trying to work out the melody, and <laughs> Rosal said something like, well, you got all the character stuff, now I just got to focus on the notes a little bit. <laughs> but... Um, it is a tricky tune with tricky changes, and um, but it has one of the great handoffs there. Like when Roswell ends his solo and Steve starts his solos on his classic, just when we're talking about why we love jazz, those moments like, wow, how did that even happen? You can't, like from the trombone to the soprano, which are two very different instruments, it's just this seamless, just beautiful moment. And what, um, to be honest, during that last song, we were. We were in the back. I I, I opened the door. He opened the door. I, I took him into the archives. There, someone just gave boxes and boxes of live CDs, um, kind of their own personal collection. And there is stuff I've never seen. There's stuff, there's Mingus stuff. There's a lot of Mingus been put out, but there's a Mingus tour. Look like I think '72 with John Faddis. He's got to be 18 years old. There's stuff when Ronald Ham- when Ronald Hampton was playing trumpet in the band, which was just one tour. Uh, um, that you know that of course that stuff that that did kind of come out with Eddie Armour and and Don Butterfield live at that was that live at the Village Gate, live at the Village, whatever that was we were looking at. He said, yeah. "Oh yeah, I have that." All oh no, Birdland live You're at Birdland, about, yeah. Yeah, live at Birdland in the early '60s. Um, there's some With stuff. The, you know, there's some of that stuff. It's um, Mingus is not playing bass. Right. And, Wilbur Ware's playing bass. I mean, Henry Wilbur Grimes. Ware. Henry Grimes is playing bass, right? Yeah. Henry Grimes is playing bass and Mingus is playing piano, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Um, then there's some stuff from Berkeley, where I'm from, from um, the seven, late 70s with... Um, Braxton and Sam Rivers playing uh, with Dave Holland and looks like I think it was Dave Holland and Thurman Barker and Joe Daly. That looked really. I mean, there's just I mean, there's just stuff I've never just so much stuff there, man. Incredible. His name is Russ Wessner. Russ Wessner, and that this is this guy's collection. I just might looked, be listening right now. Might be listening right now. Well, we just looked through some of that stuff, and we're gonna have to figure out get a grant to archive this stuff because if someone doesn't know when they take a look at what's there, they just be like, oh yeah, that's that, but. There's a lot of incredible history there. A lot of one-time gigs. There's some some Arthur Blythe quintet stuff that I'd never seen. We just saw the B box and the M box. So it's a good thing I didn't. <laughs> yeah. If we'd gotten to see it, we, oh we wouldn't God. have made it back no, into the studio. No, yeah. There was a Lester Bowie with Albert Daly on piano. Yeah. Albert and uh, and Ari Brown on tenor from uh, from looked like a Detroit 
maybe the yeah Detroit uh, Art Institute, Detroit Art Institute from 1982. So, but right now we're we're deep focusing. We're, see, this is what, this is why I have to call the show deep focus because if it's broad focus, you know, you're just going to be star tripping all night. No, but no, it's deep focus. It's I deep. shouldn't have broken the spell. I no. should not have. That's my fault. Okay. I did that. You're listening to WKCR, and uh, we do call the show Deep Focus. I'm Mitch Goldman. Um, Monday nights, we have a guest in the studio. Very fortunate to have Stephen Bernstein actually making time for us the very week that, yes. I'll be at Jazz Standard. Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and, and Sunday. Sunday night. And Sunday night. And, Two uh, sets a night. New, new modern New York style, 7.30 and 9.30. Crushing them. Yeah. Crushing them. Sex Mob first night, Sex Mob with Medeski the second night, and Millennial Territory Orchestra the last two nights. We've got a bunch of new arrangements with the Millennial Territory Orchestra, a bunch of old arrangements. And uh, Sex Mob, we're always trying new stuff and old stuff. And um, and actually, it's interesting, the last couple concerts, what happened was, what inspired me to, to bring Sex Mob to the jazz standard was that we played at Dizzy's, which is something I never thought I would do with Sex Mob. Though I've played all the rooms at Jazz Lincoln Center, I just felt like Sex Mob might just be a little too punk rock. And um, when Roswell kind of was, health was really failing him, he had a CD release party, and Vernon realized, Vernon Gillis, his partner and, and producer, that he wouldn't be able to play. And so she said, let's make this a celebration for Roswell. And so I said, you know, I've always wanted to play music by the New York Art Quartet. And Roswell had loaned me his copy of the box set that Ben Young put out. And in that is a museum-style book with a beautiful binding and thick paper. And there are beautiful images of the original music from the New York Art Quartet. So I went and Xeroxed the book, and I put that stuff in the computer so it'd be a little easier to read. And we're playing some songs now with Sex Mob from the New York Art Quartet from 1964. But it's interesting because we play them a little differently than those guys playing because we're from a different era. So, And it's very interesting playing something that you've listened to for a long time. They were just kind of creating, and now is sitting with you in front of you on a computer chart while they were reading off a of handwritten charts. And interesting, because sometimes Roswell would have three versions of the same song written slightly differently, sometimes with different accidentals, sometimes with different, slight different rhythmic variations, but it'd be the same song as he was, you could see he was working out in his head what the best way to get it onto paper was. And then of course, the way they played it was oftentimes not at all like it looked on paper. So, um, yeah, we're playing some Roswell Rudd music uh, this Thursday and Friday, and we're playing Roswell Rudd music tonight. Yes, we are. Yes, we are here on the airwaves. Yeah. Now, um, there's a question. Yes, sir. Where to? Because we got a couple different destinations we didn't quite settle on. We could go to, we could head north to Amsterdam. We could head a little farther south to Roma. Let's just mix it up. You know what? No, it's deep listening. Let's let's play the same band. Let's just same band. It. Same I band. It. I love it. We're going deep, man. We are going deep. So this is the same band from from what what year now? So uh, this is uh, just a previous month, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, another familiar venue. You've played the Bim House. I'm we sure. We were just right? talking about it. My man Hoop is no longer working there, so I haven't played there for a couple of years. But not only were we played there, but when they made the documentary on the Bim House. Sex Mob was 
featured in it because we were seen as one of the new generation playing in the BIM house. Of course, now we've been long enough to be like one of the old generation that can't get booked there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the music business? So get, me a, get me a young sex mob. <laughs> BIM House is a terrific venue in Amsterdam. Yeah. I don't, we, don't, we don't have to do a disquisition on it right now, I guess. No, we could. Well, you, well, well, you got a favorite little observation or memory? Well, or it's very interesting because the first time I played BIM House, it was in the original location, and which was kind of in the center of Amsterdam. And um, then it got a huge... They built a beautiful modern building, and long before they had a Jazz Lincoln Center, this was like the first time I'd ever seen a jazz venue in a modern kind of state-sponsored, or whatever you want to call it, government-sponsored building, beautiful, funded building. Um, and this guy, Hoop, is, it's a typical thing. He was not the original guy that ran it. He was... Uh, it was, but it started as a cooperative, so in, oftentimes in Europe, and they still have it. Like they were clubs. There's a place I played in Germany once. I couldn't believe it, man. It's like still there, where like basically club members pay a yearly fee to belong to the jazz club, the town jazz club, and that fee, along with some money from the government, is what they use to bring artists in, and that's how the Bim House started. And probably didn't have any very little because it was kind of a very hippie place at first, and then it went from being a hippie place to like a place with a beautiful venue, incredible sound system. Uh, it's behind the train station on the water, so the the window behind the stage, kind of like Jazz Lincoln Center when you look out and see um, all the fancy buildings. You look out and you see the water, and you see all now that there's a lot of building there, but all the boats and whatnot, and. Uh, it's a great place to play. It's a very historical place to play. And Amsterdam has a very, because of the BIM House, Amsterdam has a very uh, sophisticated listening audience. They've heard so much good music. So, Well, it, I mean, yeah, BIM House, and it's that kind of city. I mean, yeah, but it, it takes having a place for people yes. to be exposed. You know, if there's no place for people exposed right. to good music, they don't know how to listen to it. I think there's a reason. Those things developed together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's often one very determined person. Yeah. And this guy who was very determined to keep this place alive and managed to make it go from being a little hippie place in the basement to a beautiful place in a glass building on the fifth floor. Okay, that's a big difference between a basement and a fifth floor. That's six floors difference. Wait, hold on. Let me get my slide rule. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So, yeah, a great place to play. And I remember when we first went to a new place, and it was like, oh, man, there's a nice dressing room with glass windows and, like, a beautiful refrigerator and a coffee machine, and they'd bring down a beautiful meal for you. And, you know, it was, like, one of the first places that I'd been in Europe that I saw transformed from, like, you know, from a little homemade place to a place where you get treated very nicely. And the people are mad cool. It's superb people. Yes. yes, superb. There are other places in Europe where you know they have all the tools and facilities, but it might be a little static getting everything sorted no, out. They're but very, there, it's no, they're, hmm. they're super smooth. They're really pro. Yeah, great place to work. And they, and the other great thing is the hotel was right next door, so you could just go right from the hotel, boom out the door, up the elevator, and you're at the gig, which is. You know, sometimes when you've been traveling all day, there's like nothing nicer than that because it's not like, oh man, we got to meet down, we got to meet, you know, downstairs, uh, 
25 minutes before the sound check because we got to drive, you know, to whatever. It's like, no, man, you just, <laughs> here's what time sound check is. Get out of your pajamas and walk over. Now this, okay, so this is about just a few weeks before that empty bottle gig. Oh, but wait a second. This is a totally different band. Yeah, it's I a different band. I didn't even, I didn't <laughs> even open this one. I thought it was the same band. Oh, man, we are going to have a great time. This is with Enrico <laughs> Rava. Mm-hmm. Now, Enrico, there's a story behind this, too. So Enrico, when he moved to, to New York in this early, I guess early, the late 60s, I don't know it was early 70s or late 60s, he was in Roswell's band. And he's on that great record. I don't know if it's either Flexible Flyers. One of the ones on Arista, a live record. Of course, a great Mal Waldron on piano. And him and Lacey had their duet thing going on forever. Reggie Workman and Andrew Cyril. Oh, this, I can't wait. Oh, this is called <laughs> Roundabout Monk. So I guess it's going to be a lot of Monk songs. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we're going to have some fun. Oh, we're having fun already. No, but now let's get to work. <laughs> this is WKCRFM New York, WKCR HD1. WKCR.org. We're everywhere coming at you. Uh, the program is called Deep Focus, and Stephen Bernstein is giving a magnificent dis- demonstration of why that is. And you're in Amsterdam at the BIM House with Steve Lacey's Roundabout Monk, WKCR. I lied. You know, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I got you, but it was what I got. Okay, that was Bombaco. That was. Do we actually have the right CD? Yeah, we yeah, do? we got it. But we really got quickly, it. I want to say that one time about three years ago, I was touring with this band from Le Mans. The band was called Gluck, and it had a saxophone, sousaphone, and trumpet uh, and drums, and they wanted to have me as a guest, so we went on a little tour. And we get to this little town. I wish I remembered the name of this town. And we're playing a wine festival on, like, Sunday afternoon. And we get there. It almost seems like one of those circus scenes from the early 80s. There's people, like, in kind of wacky costumes and, like, marching bands. And it's all local wines and local oysters because we are now, we have traveled, so we're, we're almost to the coast. And it was a great scene, man. Everyone's drinking wine and eating oysters. And there's this crazy band playing and kind of like some magic stuff and circusy stuff. And this other band goes on before us, and it's two trombones and drums. And uh, they're in a good band. And one of the trombone players, a very beautiful young woman. I wish I remember her name right now. And uh, we, we go and we speak afterwards. It's how much I enjoy playing. It turns out we have a bunch of mutual friends. It turns out that. She loves Roswell as well. And we're talking about Roswell. And she said, and she had her little baby with her. She said, yes, we were playing Molly Cool, this record we're listening to right now, we, we that we accidentally listened to a bit of, while my baby was being born. That's the music that wow. was being played in the delivery room. So I go <laughs> get on the phone. I call Roswell. I said, Roswell, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, that was her name, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Arcour, some, some name like that. I said, I need, you need to say hello to someone, Roswell. And Roswell spoke to her and heard the story. And that was a really beautiful thing to share with this beautiful trombone player, Elizabeth, who uh, was a really, really good musician and was playing Roswell's record, Molly Cool, while she was delivering her baby. See that? See but that? now, yes. maybe you're giving birth to your child right now, 
And maybe you're not going to get to hear Molly Cool, but you're going to get to hear something equally thrilling. Uh, let's see if I can get it right this time. You think? What do you think? Oh, I got a good feeling about this one. I don't know. <laughs> if not, we better run for it. Money back guarantee.
such a pleasure hanging out with Steven Bernstein. We're having a great time. It's March 5th, 2018. I still have a good time talking with Bernstein. I just spoke with him at some length on the phone last night. He is a busy, busy man making a lot of great music for you. Do not miss the opportunity to hear him play wherever you can. Sex Mob, one of his activities. Millennial, Millennial Territory Orchestra, MTO, another. And uh, Hot Nine, especially a band that he co-led with the magnificent Henry Butler. You hear him talk about him, about Henry in this. And especially talking about Roswell Rudd. You know, this is what drives... A lot of this music is uh, it's people's ideas and other people's uh, strikes a chord. Oh, sorry, bad, bad, bad. Sounds like a bad, uh, not a pun. What would you call that? Play of words. Um, not intended that way. But uh, yes, an idea. Like Roswell's ideas about music and sharing. And somebody else, like Stephen, gets caught up along with that and brings that to you it's a magnificent thing all right you're obviously digging it because you made it this far this is the end of part two there's one more part of this episode there's three altogether, and there are i can't say hundreds yet we're closing in on hundreds but uh over 160 that's something all right i'm mitch goldman it's deep focus really really you're you are you you make this you make this matter for us.